Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thanks so much for being here this morning. Happy to see you all here. Um, this morning, before I start, I just want to let you know when I, I let the first service know this too. Um, this week was a real struggle for me as I worked through what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. I was back and forth on it. What I didn't know was when a, a few weeks ago, um, when I sort of looked at this scripture and kind of how it was going to land right now, and, and so I went back and forth about a couple of things. So if it looks like I'm just having a couple of minutes up here at some point this morning, it's probably because I am, <laughs> uh, but we're going to work through it together. And we're going to work through, uh, we're going to continue our series called The Storyteller because, you know, we're, we're working through these stories of Jesus' parables, and we, we started with last week. Next week, our kids are going to tell us some stories. A couple of weeks from now, a good friend of mine, Amos, who uh, was a pastor for a long time and now uh, dedicates his life to telling the story of Jesus in a way that lands for people and helps other people do it is really cool, and, and he's going to come because we have the best stories, don't we, that come from Scripture, the stories that are miraculous of healing, of wonder, of miracles. It's so cool to sit and read, and so we just love to dig into these stories. And, and I've talked to quite a few people that have said, you know, we always learn. You can learn through lecture, and you can learn through this, but I've always learned through story the best. And so that's what we're going to try to do here together um, this morning. Now this morning, I guess I was kind of struggling uh, as we were putting this together, and maybe it's just because of this question. Here's the question that I have for you. Um, how are you dealing with other people right now? How's that going? <laughs> how are you dealing with that, right? The world is uh, becoming pretty, pretty divisive. We've been isolated a little bit. That's made us more polarized. You've got an opinion. You've got a viewpoint. Sometimes we get a little bit tunnel visioned on what we think. Our, our preparation for our next conversation is how we're going to make sure we get our point across in our next conversation. Um, maybe you're a little bit short on grace. Maybe you're a little short on patience. It's kind of how I'm feeling a little bit every once in a while. Um, so maybe this week will be a challenge for you. It was for me in writing, you know, the funny thing about, you know, I don't know that pastors talk about this that much. The funny thing about writing this stuff every week that we get to come up and sort of speak from the Word is that very often we are challenged in our lives and convicted in our lives and what we're doing too. And and that was the case for me as I was kind of going through that this week. So I'm not sure if you're going to be challenged or not, but please know that I was as we went through it. Uh, this morning's story is from the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of Jesus' 12 apostles. And it's cool when we read um, the parables or we read different stories out of the Gospels. So when I say Gospels, I mean you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then uh, Luke, of course, as we learned from a couple of weeks ago, wrote Acts. Uh, because these guys came from different backgrounds, sometimes they focus on different things. 
So Luke was a doctor and a historian. So when you read the Gospel of Luke and when you read Acts, you see a big focus on history and how that plays an important role. Matthew was a former tax collector. So we see more uh, parables and references and analogies about money in Matthew's Gospel than we see in the other three. It's just one of those cool little things that when you dig into the Bible, it's, it's neat to see how all these stories blend together, but the different perspectives allow us to learn different things. And this morning's parable, coming from Matthew 18, is called the Parable of the Unmerciful Servant. And I'm sure a couple of you have read this one before. Um, but if you haven't, this is what the story says. So starting in verse 21, it says this, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, and then he gets into the parable, the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, we don't talk in talents anymore. When we talked about uh, you know, money in that time, it was, it, the unit was by weight. So it, you'd have like a gold and then it was weighted in a certain way. So a talent, for the sake of our conversation to sort of make it easier, is a year's wages. So this person owed 10,000 years worth of wages. Now, I don't remember the last time you had that much money in your bank account. I know I haven't before. <laughs> um, so that's quite a bit. That's, that's a large sum to owe somebody. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him <clears throat> Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. Just like a little bit of fun insight. Like, that's pretty optimistic. Right? <laughs> have you ever said you were going to pay somebody back and knew you didn't have it, but kind of hoped you would at some point? This is that times a lot. Like 10,000 years worth of wages. Um, sorry. Uh, the servant's master took pity on him, verse 27. Canceled the debt. Just canceled it. Let it go. And let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. So if a talent is a year's wage, a denarii is a day's wage. So theoretically, this person owed him about 100 days worth of wages. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and said, Be patient and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, 
The master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Well, this is a tough one. And for me, there are two main themes that jumped out in this passage to me. One that we're actually going to spend a little bit more time on than the other this morning. The first is obvious, it's forgiveness, and then the second one is empathy. So forgiveness, we all understand what forgiveness is. Empathy, just to remind you, empathy is the the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. It's not sympathy. Sympathy is, I feel bad for you. Empathy is, I know how you feel and can relate to that. I can actually feel the way that you're feeling. So let's just let's talk about forgiveness here first. Of course, the beginning, you know, is the part that we all, if you've been in the church for a while, this is the part you all remember, the part that we all know. How many times should I forgive somebody? Well, not seven times, but 77 times, an endless amount of times, lots of times. But we don't actually always feel that way, right? This is, this is of course, always the struggle with this. And I'm going to give you a second to think about this in a second, but we just... We just don't always want to forgive others. Um, and I'm struggling with this a little bit right now, if I'm being open and honest with you. There's a couple of people uh, that are in my life right now that I'm really, I'm like, I'm just having trouble getting there. Um, and I know that I'm called to it. And I think that there's a difference. I think there's two parts of forgiveness, and that's what makes forgiveness hard. There's the, the part that we all know, the part that we're called to, the head part, which is... Um, we know we're supposed to forgive you. We're called to that. So we do it. We're called to do it. But then there's the heart part of forgiveness. And that's the hard part because forgiveness is actually an act of love towards somebody that we're not really feeling the love for right now. And that's that second part. That's what makes it, of course, really hard. So I'm just going to give you 30 seconds here. I want you to think about somebody... That's, that's in your life right now that maybe you haven't forgiven yet or you're having trouble. And then with the other 29 and a half seconds, because that name's going to come to you pretty fast, I want you to think about why. Why are you having trouble? Is it, what's the hurdle? What's the real problem? Is it, is, it, is it hurt? Is it pride? Is it, what's that hurdle? So I'm just, I'm going to give us 30 seconds to just think about that. What's, who's the person? And then what's, What's the struggle there? Just give you a second to think about that. I don't know what the barrier is for you. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's self-interest. I don't know if it's anger, if it's self-righteousness, if it's they don't deserve it, what, what that barrier is. And we're not going to spend a ton of time on this part of this this morning um, because I think most of us in the room sort of know this. But here's a reminder. If, if you're a Christ follower and you're in this room this morning, The simple thing that I have to say is just that 
you're called to this. <laughs> you're called to it. This is something we are supposed to do. This is an example that was set to us. It's the reason a parable like this is written. It's Jesus saying, forgiveness isn't really an option. It's just something that you're called to do. And thank goodness that that was Christ's posture too. Thank goodness that he didn't look eventually at us and go, well, they don't deserve it. Because it's Christ's forgiveness that even puts us in a position to be here this morning at all. And so that's just like a little challenge. I know that's hard and there's going to be some working through of that and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But just a reminder that that's not really an option. We're just called to it. If you're not a Christian in the room or you're thinking about it or you're on the fence or you're not sure, here's just something to think about. Holding back on forgiveness really hasn't ever done you any good. <laughs> it doesn't really help us, right? We hold it up. We carry a grudge. We think about what we're going to do, what we're going to say. I don't know what your place, I, I just kind of thought about this during the first service, I don't know what your place is where the person that you're upset about, you have the argument with them when they're not there. Mine is the dishwasher. I don't know why that is. It's when I'm loading the dishes. That's when I argue with somebody else that I'm angry with in my own head. You know that argument that you have over and over and over again. How am I going to have this conversation the next time? We've all done that. But that act of forgiveness is the beginning of the healing process of working yourself out of that. That stuff just lives rent-free in your head, doesn't it? And so, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning and you're thinking, boy, that sounds really nice, maybe a challenge for you, for me this morning is, is that when Christ calls us to certain things, and, and maybe there's a Christian that has told you how to live or told you what to do, just a, a little reminder for me that, that when God calls us to do something, it was always for our good and it was always for something that was better for us. And God knows that when we hold on to those things, that's, that's actually negative and that's not great for us. And so when God calls us to forgive, it's not just for the sake of that, but He also knows that, that it's good for you too. So that's just a little reminder on forgiveness. Now here's the other part that we're struggling with, and that's empathy. And I see that in this too, right? You read the story, you've got this guy that was just relieved of all this debt, and he immediately forgets what it's like to be in debt. And he just goes, he's like, yep, I'm clean, let's go. What's the next thing? The empathy is gone. And we, right now, are really struggling with empathy societally. And there's been a few articles that have come across, uh, you know, my eyesight in the last little while about why and how that's happening. So I just want to read a couple things here for you. This article was from the Cleveland Clinic organization. It was written by Dr. Susan Albert, she's a doctorate in psychology, and she's talking about this thing that we're all dealing with that maybe you didn't even know you're dealing with until we sort of bring it up this morning, and that's empathy fatigue. Is anybody having empathy fatigue? She says, at worst, empathy fatigue is a person's inability to care. It's the negative consequence of repeated exposure to stressful and traumatic events. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like maybe something we're going through? It can manifest itself both, both emotionally and physically. So here's emotional symptoms. Uh, isolating yourself from others, feeling numb and disconnected, lack of energy for care of those around you, not being able to relate to others, 
feeling angry, sad, or depressed, feeling tense or agitated, or feeling speechless or unable to respond appropriately to what's happening around you. Some of the things that happen when we get empathy fatigue. Physical symptoms include inability to concentrate or be productive, headaches, nausea, upset stomach, difficulty sleeping. Sounds like stuff we're screening for every day anyways. It's true. Uh, Self-medicating with drugs or alcohol, conflicts in your relationships, changes in your appetite, feeling exhausted all the time, avoiding work and other activities. She said, empathy fatigue is the emotional and physical exhaustion that happens from caring for people day after day. And over time, we start to see people experiencing a sense of numbness and distancing or difficulty continuing to care. So empathy, right? That ability to understand and share what other people are feeling. And I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us are feeling a lot of empathy fatigue. We are really struggling in the best of moments to really think about the people around us before we're thinking about us. It's really hard to do, and there's a lot of reasons, right? The the pandemic, obviously, we've seen a, a handful of social justice movements really come to the forefront in the last a few couple of years, we've we've been isolated from other people, right? Part of the problem that we've been having with being online so much is that it's just like an echo chamber. The amount of people that have told me in the last little while, they're like, I'm just, like, I'm off Facebook for a while, I'm off, whatever, because I just can't, like, I can't handle it. It's, It's just, it's too much, right? Increased stress, job or work insecurity, uh, large divides in worldview, large divides in ideology, there's lots of reasons for us to put ourselves first, isn't there? And that's been really tough. It's been really easy for us to slide into that, and it's been really tough for us to do. And that's, that's what happens in this parable, right? This servant gets his stuff taken care of, and immediately, I'm going to go take care of myself. I'm tunnel-visioned on what I think, what I need, and that's where we're at. Here's another question, maybe, I don't know if this is a good question or not. Have have you ever been made whole by something? Have you ever been relieved of a debt, been forgiven for something that you didn't deserve? Uh, For me, there's been, you know, have you ever, have you ever, were you ever supposed to be fired? That's happened to me at least twice. (laughs) I didn't think I was going to get fired. I knew I was going to get fired. You know those days? Those are not good days. And you walk out of the office and you go, how do I still have a job? Because somebody had grace. Because somebody forgave you. Because somebody extended you a little bit. Because somebody had empathy. That's a good feeling. That's a feeling where you get something that isn't deserved, that maybe was difficult for somebody else to give you, but it's something in the moment, uh, you know, that you really needed. It's hard to empathize with people. I don't know, sometimes I wonder, you know what's really hard? It's hard to empathize with people that think differently than us. That's even harder. Or that are acting differently than we are. I wonder, I don't have to wonder too far, what would, have, what would it have been like if Jesus had only empathized with people that were like him? <laughs> or forgave people that thought the way he thought, right? I think about this, I think about Jesus and I think about empathy, right? And Jesus spends 40 days in the desert being tempted, I don't think that he does it to prove that he's morally superior. 
which we know he is anyways. He does it so that when he comes back and starts to teach people, he goes, I know what it's like to be you. I know what that's like. I've been through the struggles. I've been through the trials. And as I teach you through things, know that I've been in your shoes as well. And so he did. And I think that's, that's as good of an example I think that we need. There's a great sermon that I kind of heard about this this week. That was, maybe I'll share it on our Facebook earlier, like later this week. But it was great. It was talking about um, how our personal ideology is taking over our theology, how in a lot of cases we're, we're filtering our theology, the things that we think about God through our ideology, the things that we just think about. <laughs> and now when we do that, we get into a lot of trouble really quickly um, because that solid piece isn't there. And it's really easy for us to do that. And sometimes it's hard to know when we're doing that and when we're not. But I would challenge you, even as you're reading Scripture and if you see a Christian that says something that you like, maybe they say it loud and whatever, you go, yeah, yeah, but is that your ideology that's going yeah or is that your theology that's going yeah? I don't know. But if you're not sure, then it might be worth looking into. I'm going to end on this kind of idea. I had a couple of people, I don't want to get myself in too much trouble, I had a couple of people come up to me in the last couple of weeks that have said to me, when are you going to preach on the trucks? And I thought, well, like, is that in second opinions? Like, where is that? I'm not sure. I can't find that in the scripture. Where are the trucks? Thank you. I know. It's a, it's a bit of a deep joke. It takes a second. I know. Marshall got it right away. I don't know where he's at, but he laughed in the first service. I appreciate it. And it's people from both sides, of course, that have come to me with this. They've said, hey, we'd really like you to talk about this. And the people from the other side absolutely know that I'm going to come at it from their side, and they know, and that's the... The tough part. But that's kind of what we're talking about, isn't it? It's like, it's the inability to kind of reach out, forgive, empathize, see where other people are coming from because we're just on what we think. And I'm not going to talk about something like that up here. That's just, that's not really, I don't think this is the place and that's not really how I work anyways. Um, but I, I did see somebody this week write something, a pastor that I know and uh, that's a friend and that I really like. He wrote something earlier, later this week. And it's not on that, but it's on this theme. And I thought that it fit really well. And it said this. He said, I realize, I'm just going to read this out. I'm sorry. He said, I realize that I'm writing this very much in the present moment. And then in brackets, he puts February 11th. So just a couple days ago. The level of frustration, anger, and insult in our country is at a very high level. These emotions and actions are visible on all sides. Even the people in the middle who want to find a peaceful way are angry and throw insults at everybody else who's angry. Jesus said, I say to you that if you are angry with a sister or a brother, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to counsel. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. That's Matthew 5.2. He says, these are strong words. How can Jesus be this demanding? The people we are angry with, the people we insult, the people we want to call fools... They are all people, people made in the image of God. 
people loved by God. Jesus is not saying that we have to agree with them, but Jesus is saying we need to recognize their identity as people made in God's image and loved by God. Everything else comes after those two facts. Jesus is not saying we should not discuss and even debate with people whose views we don't agree with, but Jesus is saying that our language is to be respectful and humble. Humility is not wishy-washy, but humility is not arrogant either. Living the Jesus way in the present time is very challenging. Challenging to keep control of our tongue. Challenging not to respond to insults with further insult. Challenging to not explain to people how they are wrong and we are correct. Challenging to give others the space to express their frustration. The only way to live the Jesus way is to ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and take control of our tongues, our attitudes, and our reactions. That's hard. Because we don't want to do that. Because when we ask the Holy Spirit to interject, He does. And then, a lot of times, the way we're thinking and feeling changes, and we don't want that. And that's ideology... Uh, uh, that's theology through ideology. That's the other way around. He finishes like this. He says, We are invited to live the Jesus way not by telling people what they should, uh, that they should live this way. Sorry, I'm going to start that over. We are invited to live the Jesus way not by telling people that they should live this way, but by choosing ourselves to live this way. We are invited to live the Jesus way not by telling people that they have made the better choice, but by simply starting to live that way. The Jesus way of loving our opponents, of caring for those who insult us, and of not putting more gasoline on the fire. And then he finishes by saying, may the Holy Spirit move in us as we make the intentional choice to live the Jesus way. This is why I was struggling this week. Because I'm reading through this going, I don't know about you, but I'm short on forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I feel pretty short on empathy. And the reality is, is that if I go ideology through theology, I go, it's okay, my words are justified. But if I go theology through ideology, I go, I'm called to forgive and I'm called to empathize and I'm called to love. And we are so quick to tell people what we think and not always quick to show people how God feels about them. And that's really hard. And you are not the only one struggling with that. And I will say it a hundred times. I am having empathy fatigue too. That's hard for everybody. It's hard for all of us. But we're called to it. And the beauty is, Here's the interesting part. If you're struggling with it, you're probably not asking God to help you with it enough. Really, ask the Holy Spirit to come alongside you. Ask for God to interject. Ask for God to come 
excuse me, with the strength that only He can. Because the reality is, you're not supposed to do it by yourself anyways. We think we are. I'm out of empathy. Yeah, you're out of empathy. But God's not, so tap into it. I'm out of forgiveness. Good. God's not, tap into it. I'm out of patience for the person beside me. Great. God's not. So tap into it. Call on the Holy Spirit. Call on God to come beside you and say, let's go. Because you're called to forgiveness whether you feel like it or not, and you're called to empathy whether you feel like it or not. And I know that I don't always feel like it. And in those moments, it's certainly not my strength that gets me from A to B, and I would doubt that it's yours either. So, there's no, like, big challenge this week, because I think that's enough. Aren't we challenged? Isn't this hard? This is difficult. Um, But let's work through that together. Call on the Holy Spirit for help. Call on somebody that you know that's walking with God well, or that isn't, (laughs) and call on them for help. Call on them for accountability. Look for them to encourage you to seek after God in this way too. We're not going to get through all this on our own strength. We never were. So stop trying. Let's get God in on what we're doing so that we can be great lights of the world for Him. Amen? Okay, let's pray together. God, thanks so much for the opportunity that you gave us to follow you. Thank you for sending Jesus so that relationship with you came a lot easier. Came with less red tape and less hoops to run through. But God, let us not take advantage of that. Continue to call us to you. Continue to call us to your Holy Spirit, to the things that we are called to do, like forgiveness and empathy. God, we are out of gas. God, let us use the little bit that we have left not to start the fire, but to work through the things that you've asked us to work through. God, come alongside us as we're short on empathy and patience and forgiveness for our brothers and sisters. God, we just really, we really need that from you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come down on on everybody that's here, on the people that watch, on people that don't watch, on people that don't know who we are, it doesn't matter, God. Just flood us with your patience and your kindness so that we know that, that we can do it with you and so that we can be a light in the darkness so that others around us will know about you through the way that we treat them and through our love, not by the things that we say. Amen.